Hi, everybody. My guest today is David Lurie. And if you want to hear uh, uh, from a really, really open, honest, authentic uh, man, this podcast is for you. Um, David's been in recovery for an awfully long time. And he, like... About 16 years, I think he said, 14 or 16 years. And he um, he has taken his very interesting and diverse and some tough moments in his life experience and turned it into uh, a foundation, a, a foundation in which, a charitable foundation in which he is incredibly accessible to help other people uh, find the right combination of supports and therapies and treatments for them. Um, he's a really interesting guy. Uh, and I, I hope you really enjoy listening as much as I enjoy uh, listening to him. Okay. Take care. Hello, friends. Welcome to season two of the Broken Open podcast. I'm Maureen Towns, author, speaker, expert on finding calm amidst chaos of helping those that you love with mental health and addictions issues. If you like what you hear on this podcast, be sure to subscribe so that you're the first to know when new episodes are released and visit maureentowns.com to get in touch, stay current on our programs, Footsteps for Families and Freedom from Intergenerational Trauma, as well as updates on the book, which has just been released called Broken Open. I hope you enjoy the show. Okay, David, we're recording. How are you doing? Well, good. How are you today? I'm great. <laughs> right on. So, David, you and I met years ago. Mm. Yeah, three, almost four, I think. Eh? Yeah, it would years? have been three or four years ago. And, and yeah. you were facilitating a 12-step program, mm. uh, study group, really, uh, over yeah. the course of a couple of days that I attended. Mm-hmm. And that's how I that's met our, you. That's our path to, pathway to freedom group. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And um, the broken open question, I'm going to start there. Is that okay with you? The question of course, that I wherever like you ask. like. Okay. So tell me about a time or take us to a moment when you realized that some of the adversity that you had experienced was actually a gift or tell us about a time mm-hmm. when you experienced adversity that... In, in well, hindsight, I think, there's a gift. Yeah, in hindsight, there's been so many that turned into gifts that at, at first, you know, when when I was growing up, you don't you're not able to see it that way really. And unless people can help give you that perspective that perception or perspective change, because I was so self-centered, I couldn't use it as a gift. It was all just about um, it was all hard. That's all it seemed like. It just seemed hard at the time. Uh, and for me, it, it wasn't until I really, I sobered up um, at 30, so 16 years ago. Um, it wasn't until then that I was able to actually see those um, moments of adversity as some kind of gift. And this will be a tough one for people to handle out there. But like looking back, um, even on my childhood where I was abused uh, repeatedly outside of the home for a few years, um, 
physically and sexually. I once I sobered up and started to get a little bit further away from the trauma of that and more into the healing of that. Uh, I, I was able to actually see it as, okay, this was supposed to happen. Um, and for most of my life, I just grew up thinking that it happened because I did something wrong or because um, if there was a God, God didn't like me. Like those kinds of things were legitimate storylines. So when I sobered up and, and I got some distance between uh, the booze and the morphine and I had some space, um, I was able to do some, obviously I had been, count, been going to counseling since I was a teenager. Mm -hmm. uh, but very little came of it because I wasn't able to, to get honest. I, first of all, I forgot I even was abused um, until in my mid-20s. Yeah. I had, so it, it's been a lot of, well, blocked it out. I shouldn't say forgot. It's not what happened. The brain does stuff to protect it um, by shutting you out of that information or those time periods. But um, <clears throat> so anyway... In, in early sobriety, it was just getting away from the chemicals so that I could see some of those images which had been haunting me. Um, I could start seeing them in a different light um, by being, um, I finally was able to just go into some therapy and be honest. And, and that really did help um, shape my perception of those events being necessary for me for some reason. I don't know the reason. Um, because it's an awful thing that, that happens to kids and, and the same thing happened to myself and it's awful. Uh, there's no real good reason for it, of course, but after the fact, um, what, what, was, what was I able to do because of those events? Um, and one of them is connect to men about sexual issues in a totally different way. So uh, people that I work with, even men and women, um, people that I work with, whether professionally or in a peer support role, um, the, a lot of there tends to be some connection there. So whether they've been through it or they're traumatized by maybe they're a sibling going through it, mm -hmm. uh, the reality is it touches a lot more people than we ever imagined. And being able to be honest with myself about it allows me to be honest with others and, and also accept what they're telling me um, with with something besides, um, you know, judgment or uh, expectation. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that answered your question. It does. And what I, what I find so interesting about the way that you talk about your past trauma mm. is that, you know, when I, I, I believe the same thing that you believe, that these things have mm. happened, uh, they were meant to happen. Uh, you know, may, I, I even would go so far as to believe that I chose a, a life in which mm. I experienced these things mm -hmm. for this purpose. And sometimes when I tell people that, they'll say things like, oh, that's so great. But they say it in a way that it's so great that you can make lemons out of, or lemonade out of lemons or something like mm -hmm. that. But that's not what I'm, that's not what I'm saying. And it's not what I'm hearing you say either. Mm -hmm. This isn't I'm the best of it. It's very much, you're saying, these things were meant to happen mm -hmm. and serve, uh, help me to serve and serve a purpose in this way. Yeah, potentially, right? And I mean, again, I, I don't claim to know why exactly those things happened. I guess what we try to do is um, figure out some sort of reason that helps us push forward, right? Mm -hmm. Some sort of ex accept it in a way that allows us to push forward positively mm -hmm. instead of the way I was pushing forward from the time it happened, which was in an unhealthy, toxic, dangerous patterns, right? And mm -hmm. once sobriety came in or 
And for lots of people, sobriety will have nothing to do with it. I, I understand that. Um, it was more a matter of maturing enough to be able to accept what had happened. Uh, and, and even though it did create a lot of problems in my life, um, but most of those problems were due to my um, inability to be honest about those things, right? What, it, sorry, go ahead. What do you mean by, for some people, sobriety will have nothing to do with it? Can you tell uh, me Because so, not, not everyone who's abused um, has chemical dependencies, right? Like not okay. everybody who's abused um, has um, process addictions. Not everybody who's abused has mental health issues. The reality I think that I've experienced is that a lot of the people that I work with do, but that doesn't mean there's a lot more out there that everybody does, right? And that mm. the, I just try not to paint anything with just one brush because uh, there are so many variations within um, each, I guess each category of humans, what they've been through, category of experience, I suppose, is a better way to describe it. Mm. But um, thankfully, not everybody has to be abused. And, and thankfully, not everybody who is abused um, goes through uh, a lot of the stuff that I did, like the, the chemicals, but also the lifestyle that I chose within my um, practicing alcoholism was partially one of legitimate, uh, what, what this, I guess what the Kerham considers legitimate employment, part of it was that. And then a good portion, another portion of my um, ability to earn an income came from hustling in bathhouses, parks, wherever. Like that's a real thing. Um, Got it. And, and so learning those behaviors are a little bit less healthy than learning how to simply reframe what, what has happened. Um, and I couldn't reframe until I got through some of that deep pain, you know, and don't get me wrong, it comes up at times and it's, it can be like absolutely debilitating. It seems to stay a little bit less long. I don't know okay. if that makes sense. For sure. I think, I think what you're saying is the issues are never completely uh, mm. gone. They, they mm -hmm. still show up, uh, but your ability to handle, work through, move through, and do something mm -hmm. constructive with, you know, gets better and better each yeah. time kind of thing. Yeah, each, each, each year that goes by, so long as I engage in my recovery, absolutely. Okay, okay, good. And it's recovery from the alcoholism and stuff, but also the trauma like the recovery, the recovery work that has to be done when a person's been traumatized, it's yeah. imperative, right? Uh, yeah. Otherwise the trauma just eats me up. Yeah, you know? for yeah. sure. So um, I heard that, you know, the term that pops into my head when you're talking is emotional sobriety. So that it's not just mm -hmm. about, it's not about the chemical. It's not about, you know, whatever process that you're using to numb out. Yeah. It's about learning to feel the feelings and handle them yes. and sit with them and accept them and yeah. that's and that's such a process mm -hmm. right and i think that is the actual what you just described is the nuts and bolts of the work that we engage in right mm -hmm. is that process to yeah. understand but beyond awareness to engage in those and accept those parts of us that uh, perhaps we don't like so much mm -hmm. uh, and that's fair there's a lot we, we all have our downsides i guess to well, use quotation marks because i don't see them as downsides but other people might mm -hmm. um, i see them i guess it's similar to some i don't know if it's buddhist or hindu but it's similar to some ideas that uh, you know suffering is an important part of life mm -hmm. just like uh rejoicing is 
right? Um, because most of us humans suffer from something. Uh, if it's not external, it might be mental or emotional or physical. Um, but most humans have some sort of struggle, you know? Um, and, and so I guess the less I'm attached to, and I think that's the difference between when I was drinking and now that I haven't been drinking is I'm not as attached to those dark things. Mm. They're there. I acknowledge, I accept that they're there, but I don't have to attach to them. Um, and of course, the easiest way to not attach to a behavior or something is to not do it. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Same with thinking. The best way to not attach to my thoughts is to let them go and just accept that they're just thoughts, right? Yeah, yeah. that's so true. God, so much is popping through my head while you're talking like this. Sorry, I'm just babbling. No, too. but my, that's the way my mind works. It just fires like all the time. <laughs> Mine too. Yeah. So um, one of the things that popped into my head when you mentioned the suffering bit is this, the saying that I heard in, in a recovery center, which was uh, pain is inevitable. Suffering is optional. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's what you yeah. do with it. And can you accept it? And can you let it go? That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, are, you, you know, are we going to attach to the suffering or are we simply going to accept it? Right. And the, and the parts of ourselves that, you know, there's, there's thoughts and behaviors or thoughts and feelings that I have rather that I'm not super proud of, sure. but I get yeah, to accept you. them and, as part, that's right. a part of, you know, who I am and I'm human and mm -hmm. that's just, it's okay. And I get to choose what I do about that Yeah. Exactly. and do with that and how attached I want to be, you know, to mm -hmm. them. That's cool. I like what you said about easiest way to not be attached to, to uh, something we don't want is to just uh, not engage in a behavior or mm -hmm. spend time in the thought. Yeah. And having said that, I do understand there are exceptions in humans, right? Like there, there are some mental illnesses that make it almost impossible not to focus on an attachment, right? Like there are some um, illnesses of the mind and emotions. I'm sure I'm not a doctor, but I've experienced as a, witness to many people struggling that there are some people who simply can't compartmentalize it just it's it's almost impossible for it's seemingly impossible is it i don't know but um it really seems different more difficult for some people to to unattach certain things and of course at the end of the day it has to do with um the similar pathology but perhaps um cognitive abilities aren't there mm -hmm. for some and I, I, we do, I have to recognize that because of the work that I do is that <clears throat> some of us have different possibilities, right? And different capabilities. And it's not a, it's more an experience thing where what access of two information we have, how, how we were loved, how we were cared for um, as children. And I know that as we become older adults, it, it's easy to forget that that has an impact. Mm -hmm. um, you know, on, on us and then people around us. And again, I just realized, I don't know if you asked me that question or if I just started talking. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think we talked about this in the group that we did. Like, I am a preacher's kid, so I can talk. Um, you can talk, So yeah. I apologize. <laughs> no, I, I love the way that you, you weave through, you know, you, you follow, you follow the path of your thought. I think that's, that's awesome. Oh, um, good, good. Yeah. I'm glad it was, it made sense then. Yeah. And um, well, what I hear you saying, though, is that there, you know, we're not all born equal. Some of us have, you know, some issues with our um, bio makeup, 
by yeah, for sure. I mean, makeup I mean, I that make it a little yeah. bit more challenging uh, you know and you don't you don't sort of subscribe to the belief that we we should all follow the same path mm -hmm. uh, to freedom right so you have yeah. you know you have created and and use a myriad it sounds like of different modalities or mm -hmm. theories or how would you describe it yeah i think it's I, yeah i think those words do describe it modality theory i think the way i try to look at things is ideas i just look at them like ideas because i can change my ideas right yes. so what when i where i come from is a place of um belief and and structured belief and all that stuff and i haven't been there for a long time um mm -hmm. because I find the structure is too restrictive mm -hmm. um, as to being able to actually be there for another human being. Um, right. And because it did, it was a hindrance to me. And I'm not suggesting it's a hindrance to everybody. Um, and, ju and just for a, a sec about the, I believe we are all equal, but I, of, of equal worth. I just wanted to make sure I say this because, because oh, I know that's what you meant too, right? It's like yeah. the, we're all of equal worth, but we don't all have the same starting point. No, that's kind of that's exactly it. From. Thank you for that. Yeah. Thank you for clarifying. You're welcome. That. You're welcome. Because you're I, right. I, I don't want I don't want anyone to to hear me say because yeah. that's not what I mean that we're not equal. We are, but we're not yeah. born with the same. We're not born at the same starting line when it comes that's to right. to getting somewhere or achieving that's something right. or you know there's some yeah. real barriers. Uh, yeah, people. and that's that's what we're pointing out, right? Is yeah. that like when you say starting line, the reality is our starting line might be here where someone else's might be here, yeah. depending on what is in between there. And, sure. and really what I think of as in between there is um, family, connection, education, all kinds of things come into that in between space mm -hmm. of our starting points because yeah. um, the doctor are finding more and more now that stress prenatal and postnatal has a real effect on the fetus right yes. so um the more they find out about that the more we can pay attention to that um connection to our nature right like we we might be born with a high stress um switch in our brain already turned on yes and yeah so anyway i'm sorry i kind of went in a circle there but i i didn't want you to be misunderstood i felt like Thank that's you. what you meant yeah you're welcome um what was the other question it was what were we talking about before that? Then oh. you use a different, you, you pulled together oh, a combination yeah. of things when you're helping someone to reach mm -hmm. uh, uh, whatever goals they might have. Yeah, yeah, and, and how I got there, thank you for, for remembering that. You're a good host. It's a good host Thanks. that can remember that. And, well, I have a terrible yeah. time remembering it when I'm doing this, so, yeah. so good job. Um, but yeah, the, the different ideas allow for um, flexibility. For humans right and i got there from i think a pretty natural progression like mm -hmm. that came from a place of a black and white rigid thinking yes. so i would i came from a place where there's only one answer and if you don't do that answer that's why you're having trouble got it yeah <laughs> right which yep. i have learned through oh i'm just going to say attrition right it's mm -hmm. been a it's been a, a path of attrition where I get worn down by the, I had gotten worn down by the fact that I was so frustrated all the time mm -hmm. because I was, I wasn't even able to meet the black and white requirements of mm -hmm. happiness. Mm -hmm. And so then eventually working with others and, and myself and on myself, I was able to see how, how much more effective I was 
delivering services that were of a variety, that were more inclusive to all, potentially all people. Um, so if there's something that, like I'm not going to try to dram a, a square peg into a round hole. And so I, I talk to the, some of the folks I work with about it all the time, is that if it starts, if you're starting to try to do everything I do, you will have problems, right? Um, not because what I do is wrong or bad, but it just might not be for you. Yes. Right. Like I might be able to meditate three times a day because of the life I've created for myself. Whereas someone else might not have that time. Right. And, and I, I respect that. So if, if there's other alternatives, we can always find alternatives, mm -hmm. you know, or if I find great solace in, in prayer, whatever my prayers happen to be mm -hmm. other people, it might be ridiculous mm -hmm. to pray. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to spend time trying to convince someone they should pray. The right. idea is to find out what you can do instead of prayer, right? That will have a similar effect on your mind mm -hmm. and your heart and your body. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes I, I like working with anyone and oftentimes um, replacing prayers and meditation with simply counting to 10 breathing exercises. Those things absolutely fill that, that role if, mm -hmm. if necessary. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I just, I like having more options as opposed to fewer. Yeah. I like that too. And, and I just want to dip back into what you were saying about, you know, prenatal and postnatal mm -hmm. trauma and how that can affect, you know, people and, and what that, what they're maybe up against or dealing mm -hmm. with. Um, I think the science now we, we can go back three generations and mm -hmm. look at traumas from three different generations and, and I know, I, I think it goes back further than that, but I think mm -hmm. you, you can definitely look at three and trace um, some of the, there's a biochemical changes that happen yep. um, for people and they're born, you know, with, you know, maybe different dopamine receptors, a, yeah. a higher tolerance for cortisol or a lower, mm -hmm. you know, which is a stress hormone and, and how that then, you know, and you can do scans of the brain and see actually yep. differences in yeah. people who are struggling with different issues mm -hmm. um and and that's what then you know someone shows up on your doorstep yeah i'm i'm miserable i'm struggling i'm i'm not where i want to be can you help me and and then you pull together you know mm -hmm. and i think you do use you do use not just 12 steps because again we don't yeah. be in black and white but you will integrate yeah. some of the principles of the 12-step mm -hmm. uh, program as well as tell me about some of the other things that you use. Uh, and so then also utilize Alberta health services, some of their um, harm reduction stuff that yes. has been in, in practice. Smart recovery uh, is a big one for us. And basically, so this, the, essentially it comes down to the trauma informed care as best we can, obviously, mm -hmm. um, as well as utilizing principles from all venues. So principles, but the principles of the 12 steps, are really just in my mind, and people will absolutely disagree with me, and that's yeah. fine. Yeah, I think they're they are some of the quintessential principles of a healthy life, right? And I think they draw on all the principles of maybe potentially any religion ever written written okay. down, like mm -hmm. the those guiding principles of honesty. Like that's the first one of the steps, right? Is honesty. Yeah. So, uh, and. For people I work with who may not be 12-step oriented, um, we just kind of journey through a process that incorporates 
all kinds of different things. So we bring some, some cognitive behavioral therapy into the picture. And, and if they require deeper, like deeper therapy, intensive therapy, I connect them to um, people who are more adept at that than I am um, mm -hmm. and connect them to whatever they need really in terms of that. If it's cultural, I can, I connect people to, um, to the, to indigenous elders, indigenous workers, um, that's a part of what our charity does as well we're, we're probably um we're geared for anyone and we've developed some programming for uh the indigenous people um of our land of this land of their land i should say like i almost said it wasn't theirs it is theirs of course yes. um, um but what the idea is to bring more options and all of the indigenous programming is created by um indigenous humans it's not created by me it's not um done by some other non-indigenous person uh, because part of what we really believe is that when you go down to meet somebody where they're at um it, it helps when you have a toolbox with something they might like in it right like it's not instead of jamming stuff down people's throat which isn't my way at all um my the way we approach anyone we work with really is what do you need from us right what do you need us to do right mm -hmm. and then we can determine whether we can or not um, right. and so i have some experience with cognitive behavioral therapy but of course i'm not a cognitive behavioral therapist so if it's if it's some of the techniques from cbt absolutely i am 100 percent adept at helping people with some of those things uh, and same with dialectical behavioral therapy and behavior modification those kinds of things right but I, I don't find that one thing works perfectly for everyone. I find that a combination, right? Like we were saying earlier is, is paramount, right? Cause I, I know that some people will never want to have anything to do with 12 steps simply because they believe it's religious. Right? Yes. And, um, and that is fair because when you go through the book and you spend enough time in some 12 step fellowships, you really do come to understand not that the book is saying it but a lot of the people in the rooms happen to come from a judeo-christian background yes right and so because of that it can you go to a meeting it can absolutely sound like a church meeting sometimes yeah, um and i know i work with people who don't do 12 steps and the 12 step groups and that's their biggest complaint yeah almost 100 percent of the people who won't go back to the rooms it's because well, they said it wasn't a religious program, but then the whole time they talked about this Christian God idea. Yes. And, and I've experienced that. Yes. You know? I have too. And you go yeah, to different meetings. You, like I remember one, one meeting closing with the Our Father. I was like, what, what's, mm -hmm. hap what's happening right now? You yeah. know, it's, you know yeah. it's hard to say that that's not a uh, religious affiliation when we're saying the Our Father prayer. But I hear what mm -hmm. you mean saying though, but every, and every meeting has a different sort of culture and mm -hmm. feel to it. But you're yeah. right overwhelmingly there is a judeo-christian um undercurrent there and yeah. i mean language is old and we say god and yeah all that precisely stuff. yeah yeah and you you and i we might know that that's not what's intended but new people don't yeah they don't and people who are dipping their toe in the water um it's okay for me as an as maybe a part of some of these fellowships to say no no that's not what they're all like but the reality is the ones that they went to are yeah yeah <laughs> and 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 because we know that, that is a thing yeah it's it's not enough to simply say well just keep going back 
Yeah. Right. For sure. I don't, that's demoralizing. It is right? demoralizing. <laughs> it is. We make it the <laughs> hardest, the most vulnerable, don't we? Like, it's, uh, oh, uh, yeah, we do. Yeah. You're right. You got to jump through a whole bunch of hoops when you're mm-hmm. least able to jump through hoops. <laughs> exactly. You know? Yeah. You know, you're at your tough. worst, yeah. potentially your worst time of your life. Yes. And we have this complicated process. Yeah. Um, which is another reason why our charity is. I really like the model because we have nothing between me and people yeah. or other facilitators and people. Um, I just, I really like that because you don't have to have a referral. You don't have to wait a week. You just got to call us or email us or whatever, and we will try to connect somebody with you. Yeah. And so let's hear more about your charity. So the charity is um, the Freedom's Path Recovery Society. Is that right? You bet. Okay. So when did this start and it's a registered charity and tell us about what you do okay so we started in 2017 okay. it was um and so i guess we've, we've been a charity now we were a society for a year and a half and then we became a charity we got a registration uh, and so what we offer are private groups uh, public groups uh, i've done more private groups such as the one you were a part of mm-hmm. um i believe Yep. Uh, and those happen way more often than the public ones now, because what we did, what I found in the beginning was opening up to the public. Very few people wanted to do it like mm-hmm. for three days, mm-hmm. but being able to work out a schedule with people that works for them has been a game changer. Mm-hmm. So I do private groups. I've done mostly private groups now for about a year and a half. I think mm-hmm. I've had two open groups in that amount of time just because the private ones get so busy because you can do a couple hours here a couple hours there and you're with the same people every time um and in in a couple of cases we we went to the people opened up their home and brought people into their home obviously covid's a little different now but but um back then that's what we were that's what we're able to do uh we have one-on-one counseling um and it's Again, as I mentioned earlier, if, if someone comes in and displays um, exceptional mental health concerns or things of that nature, I'll do everything I can to get them referred to someone who can help them get through. If, they, if they're not on age and they need it, like that, uh, that's beyond my gra- my reach, I guess. Mm-hmm. So I try to to connect people. Well, I do connect people to the ones who know um, because it doesn't make sense. Age is complicated. Yeah. those kinds of things so if it goes if it goes beyond where i feel like i can be helpful i have absolutely no problem referring and saying wait i cannot deal with this thing yeah. um but we'll we'll work with them even once they get referred i'll stay connected uh we do um we have well variety groups and that is the medicine wheel and the 12 step uh group as well as mending broken hearts group mm. and those are both indigenous programs um, facilitated by indigenous facilitators yeah. um, and the the 12 steps in the medicine wheel sounds pretty self-explanatory because it's literally medicine wheel teachings working through the 12 steps right uh, and I've I've done the training for it as well myself it's brilliant in terms yeah. of uh, integrating 12 steps with the medicine wheel amazing amazing job that white yeah. bison did um, and so the mending broken hearts is about intergenerational trauma, as you okay. were talking about. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. And I'm with you. I think our intergenerational trauma goes back many more than three, gener- than yeah. three generations, right? Yeah. 
The science um, just hasn't caught up with it. What we that's know, right. Right. You know, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So well, Briety, I like the name mm -hmm. of it. Yeah. Those are, those are white bison names. So uh, we're, we're simply trained facilitators to extend this white bison through white bison programs. Okay. Um, and it's been just amazing. Uh, I recommend to anyone out there, if you're interested in finding out a, maybe a new way to grieve, uh, Mending Broken Hearts program is amazing. It has allowed not only my own, but other people that have been through it, just the capacity to grieve. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's been a very strange lockdown, yeah. right? And yeah. <laughs> so I, I co-facilitated um, a Mending Broken Hearts group with, with Heather, our coordinator, Mm -hmm. um, well, Bridie coordinator, her and I did this group at uh, one of the agencies here in town. And during that time, one of my friends took her life, okay. and it was it was devastating to me. I'm it was sorry. a hard one. That's no, tough. thank you. It was. She was one of us. She was an alcoholic like myself, and um, the isolation uh, just got to her, and she just couldn't do it. You know. Um, so, but that during that process, it, it allowed me to lean into it. Mm -hmm. as opposed to do what I had I've been known to do which is not lean into it at all and try to just keep working right um, yeah. and so I couldn't this time yeah. um, it was just a it changes the perception like we were talking earlier about that if you're suffering there's a reason for suffering like yeah. there's and and um, not staying in the suffering doesn't mean you don't feel it it simply means you feel it differently mm -hmm. right um, you know, and I've, I had a, that was a week. I al it almost took me a week to recover when I found out she had, she had passed. And that's, I just think that the more you can incorporate into your um, toolbox, as we've yeah. always talked about, right? The toolboxes, the more we can put in there, the better off we are. I, I find I have so much available um, help for me now wherever I turn, there's a one way we can look for, whether it's myself or clients or, or people um, in the peer support aspect of, of it. But I, I don't know, I just think the more, the better, right? And when I took the Mending Broken Hearts training course, I was physically ill from some of the things that we learned about mm. um, in this course. Mm. Um, physically ill from the stories of the boarding schools in the States, the residential schools here in Canada. Mm -hmm. um, and I had no idea that the last residential school closed in 1996. Not I thought, ago. not long ago, right? And, and I thought that it must have been at least way back in the early 1900s, and I was wrong. Like, yeah. I just had bad information from wherever I had got my information. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was, it was nice for lots of reasons. Because once, the, you know, once you open up to all kinds of other ideas, the ideas don't stop coming to you. <laughs> no, they. Yeah, it, it blossoms, right? It just keeps kind of growing on itself. Yeah. yeah. And wow, I, I, it's hard for me to even imagine being a rigid thinker yeah. um, about stuff now because I'm so not rigid. Uh, it, it's a wild ride. <laughs> yeah. But it's interesting, like I, I hear what you're saying though about the black and white and the rigidity and the, the yes, no. Uh, mm -hmm one right way this is the right way anything else is wrong there's such i like i to, i totally have compassion for people who go there mm -hmm. uh, which is a lot of people that i know a lot of the mm -hmm. places i come from there's such safety in that 
right? There, there is, yeah. There's such fear uh, associated with not knowing the right mm-hmm. way. And, yeah. and so there's, a, there's, a, there's almost a reassurance, uh, like, uh, okay, yeah. uh, everything's okay because this is the right way. I'm doing it right. I'm not wrong. Yeah. It's like, you know, and, and so I, I've, I don't know. I just, I, I do mm-hmm. have compassion sometimes. For, I, I have tons people. of compassion. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. And a lot that. of frustration too, though, like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. but, but yeah, but I hear what you're saying. So I see you mm-hmm. traveling through your life. You know, you, you were born in Portland. I read your bio. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> you know, you were, you know, you grew up in the States. Um, yeah. And, you know, then you, what were I, then you joined the, the, you know, you, you're obviously got into a bit the, of trouble. Yeah. You know, you got sent to uh, Canada. You were in the army. I was for about um, 10 minutes. For about 10 minutes and then, yeah, then you hurt yourself. You got a diploma in social work. And that's one of the things that I wanted that I really hear in the way that you practice. So you talk Mm. about, you know, people come in, you you have this huge uh, body of knowledge that you draw from, Mm. you know, picking out pieces, trying to connect with people where they are, find something that resonates for them help them find a path. And mm-hmm. if, if you're not the right practitioner for them, referring mm-hmm. to someone who is, which is such a social sure. work. <laughs> oh, right. Like, yeah, well, no, because that's what we were taught for sure. Exactly. So you have know your limits. Yeah. So you have boundaries and uh, a scope of practice that you stay within, mm-hmm. which I have huge respect for, you know, mm-hmm. you're, Thank you. you're, you, you, you know, what's out there and you've been a student. It sounds like all your life of, mm. you know, following yeah. your nose right where's this even even when this? i was an unwilling student i yeah. still was a student it's true yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so here now you you um run this um freedom's path recovery society and and mm-hmm. here's what's really cool about what you do i think is that you don't have a set charge no. which makes you incredibly yeah. accessible that's that was the whole point yes yeah and so everything's by donation. Yeah. So when, yeah. you know, when this, the group that I was in, for example, we had just one person that said, hey, does everybody want to do a 12-step study as a bunch of yeah. uh, alcoholics slash Al-Anons off, you know, uh-huh. all of us kind of crazy. Uh, it was off, a good mixture, that's for oh, sure. Oh, we were nutty. <laughs> we were nutty. And so off we- It was fun. It was, I had a lot of fun. I learned a ton. Yeah, a me too. Ton. Me and, too. um and so you pull, you developed, you know, so, okay, this is what you want. This is what I'll pull mm-hmm. together for you. Right. Because if we had come to you with another request that then. I would have tried for sure. Would have tried. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and then, you know, we go through this experience and everything's by donation, mm-hmm. just stuff some money in a jar and off we go. And it was, it mm-hmm. was, it was incredible. It was really oh, good. I'm glad. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. That and makes so, me happy. I'm glad to hear that. Well, enough that I remember you three years later and mm-hmm. want to talk to you. Right. Good point. Yeah, yeah, good point. So well done. So um, what do you think? I'm, I'm curious when you were talking about the medicine wheel and, and the white bison approach, which I know mm-hmm. nothing about really. What, yeah. tell, help me understand the medicine wheel concept and mm. how it's different or, and how, than the 12 Ooh. steps. Well, um, so I am probably going to just kill this explanation. Uh, and by kill it, I mean not do it justice, but okay. the, it, it really, what it comes down to is the four, there's four directions in the medicine wheel, four directions. Okay. There's some, some other things wrapped up in those directions that I don't fully understand, um, which is, again, why I don't 
facilitate this program is because the as much as I could uh, intellectually maybe grasp the ideas of of the medicine wheel and really what what it is is to remind us that things are circular right mm -hmm. there it's not that was one of the things I noticed about mending broken hearts for example using the medicine wheel in terms of grief allows it to be circular mm. so there's not um, seven stages of grief there are constant stages of grief right, so right? Get and it's just yeah and it constantly and, and anyone out there who's grieved for someone deeply grieved could probably um, it probably resounds in, in them right is that there's time that goes by and then it comes back again yes there's time that goes by and and for some people who don't do healing work um, it might come back just as strong right um, each maybe each year and I'm only using on an anniversary as something tangible that's all Got but it. it might come back regularly and I've experienced um, with with working with others before learning about the circular idea of grief and and there's way more to it I totally understand that and I know people out there who are listening to me are probably like, dude you totally missed the point of it but um, in my mind it's like it's perfectly explained when you tell me it's going to be a circle like okay. it's going to happen again now it might not be the same yes and chances are it won't be especially right. if we're doing some internal work whatever right. that looks like um, got it you know because some people go to yoga and they experience throughout yoga what I might experience on a meditative walk and, right. and so of course each of those are valid so yeah. when Sometimes when um, we're describing things that work for us, I forget to say it worked for me um, yeah. instead of saying it might work for everybody because I don't know, right? Because like if someone says, Dave, you should try yoga, I can't. My, I physically can't. My surgeon said don't, so I'm not going to, right? Mm -hmm. um, even though lots of people who take yoga swear by it, right? And, and because it makes them feel good. Mm -hmm. Just like maybe prayer time makes other people feel really good or gym time or mm -hmm. all of these different things can be meditation and prayer right mm -hmm. if, if we enjoy them and they they connect us to whatever it is we're trying to do i, I think that's similar to prayer right mm -hmm. or, or even meditation mm -hmm. yeah i don't know how i started talking about that either but well we started talking about the cyclical nature of Yes. Of grief and um, what can work for people. And, and I like what you're mm. saying. Like, it's not like there's no beginning, there's no end. It's a circular mm. uh, process. And I, but it is a process. Yeah, 100%. Right? It doesn't mean that yeah. there's no progress. It doesn't mean mm -hmm. that you keep coming back to the same grief at the beginning. I mean, you did mm -hmm. mention that it can be different and it can change, but it is, mm -hmm. you know, a learning and a, mm -hmm. a coming back around. Um, yeah, like... Yeah, for example, when my when my friend this the past when she took her life when Christine took her life back in June, um, it interrupted grief of someone else for me, right? Mm -hmm. So the not interrupted, but uh, went on top of it, and then a mm -hmm. week later, another friend overdosed. Mm -hmm. um, not as close, but a, still a wonderful human, um, and she had been in and out battling, and she died. Mm -hmm. And so each time that happens, this is where circular makes a lot of sense to me. Because all of those things can exist inside the circle, yes. right? So all of the people that I've lost can exist inside my grief circle. Okay. And, and every so often, one of them will take time in my mind or heart, wherever people see themselves experiencing grief, um, probably the whole thing, right? Yeah. So if I'm thinking of Christine, maybe my friend Tara, who drank herself to death years ago, 
um, gets to take a rest, right? Um, or my friend Brady or whoever it might be. And so how I started to see it was that they're inside the circle. Okay. Always, right? And, okay. and sometimes I'm, I'm looking at them and sometimes I'm not looking at them. Um, okay. But again, this goes back to accepting um, pain as, as a absolutely necessary human emotion, right? Yeah. It's absolutely necessary to feel pain, especially if we want to love. Um, I've, I've yet to experience real love of any kind without feeling that sting, yeah. right? If it ends or if something happens, um, yeah, I, I just see it. That circle is important. Like it symbolizes a lot for me. I mean, and we've, Corey, yeah. go ahead. No, I really appreciate the way you said that. Like everything, everything can exist in the circle. That's mm -hmm. a different way to see it than what I was thinking, which is traveling mm -hmm. around the perimeter of the circle in a cycle. But you can do both. Right. Yeah, but it's so interesting. So I love the concept and I know there's mm -hmm. so much of, there's so many circles in indigenous teaching. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. I remember I, uh, doesn't doesn't matter but i do remember the first time i was exposed to that okay there's you know we had a, a room for indigenous um clients at one point in healthcare and it was a round room with no corners and, That's I, right. and I was like well yeah. this is, well isn't this interesting you know so yeah. that makes the circle is pretty important that's awesome. Well, we do, they do, we do healing circles, uh, talking circles. Yeah, everything is in a circle. And that's yeah. part of what the, those programs, the medicine wheel and the 12 step, yeah. that's one of the things that's very important to the process is yeah. smudging, of course, yeah. yes. because smudging is ceremonial and, and sacred. Yes. Um, but also the talk, getting in a circle and talking yes. um, in a circle because it stays in the circle, yes. right? The same idea. And there's, it's weird because I've been in, in a few talking circles and a, a couple of healing circles and they're incredible, yeah. like absolutely incredible. I, I think the, they probably do group therapy a little better than group therapy. Yeah, <laughs> because, I think. <laughs> right? Yeah. I, I, there's, there's very little judgment in them. I've yet, I've yet to hear a lot of judgment. Depends on who's talking, of course, but yeah. um, in terms of the elders and those who are facilitating, there's like no judgment. It, yeah. It's been, yeah, it's been incredible incredible process that's awesome yeah you know one of the stories that i remember you telling i'm switching i'm switching tacts here yeah uh, yeah go for it that that most al-anons want to know um <laughs> is uh how, how do what's it going to take to get this person sober uh, yeah. What's it going to take? They have to hit rock bottom. What is rock bottom? What does it look like? And I remember, and I, and I tell this story, uh, and I've told it without your permission, my apologies, mm -hmm. but I, t I, I have quoted you many times about what got you sober. Mm. Um, because oh, yeah, that's it's an not what you think, way. right? It's not always what you think. Yeah. So can yeah. you share with, are, are you willing to share? Um, sure. Yeah, what, what finally got you sober? And I remember the way you put it. You were like, so what do you mm. think got me sober? You know, and so we yeah. all took a stab at it, right? Was it, did, did someone you know died? And you said, yeah, mm -hmm. but that didn't do it. Did yeah. you lose some relationships? Yeah, but that didn't do it. So mm -hmm. tell us, please. Yeah, no, and, and you're right. Those things, yeah, those, <laughs> those things didn't do it for me, right? And those, thing, those um, things you mentioned, they absolutely work for others. They would have been the, the catalyst to maybe stop them from drinking anymore, right? And, mm -hmm. And not even my suicide attempts got me sober, right? Mm -hmm. I had two in that last year of drinking mm. and, and three within two years of, of quitting. And by the time I got there, the, what, I was so frustrated 
because yeah. I just couldn't get drunk anymore. Yeah. So I went, I went out on a, I went out on a band, a bender. We were gone for a couple of weeks uh, on holidays back then meant every time I got a vacation from work, that's what it was. It was a bender yeah. basically. Yeah. Um, and the last night out, I couldn't get drunk and I couldn't get high. We were in a bar in Vancouver and trust me, we tried with the drugs. Like I, I was uh, blown away by how about by not being able to achieve what I'd always achieved, mm-hmm. right? And what I had been achieving so much of in the, that couple of weeks, which also probably stands to reason why I couldn't get drunk anymore um, on the same amount of liquor is because I had pushed the envelope for two straight weeks again. Um, and we all know that tolerance does change, you know, for us, uh, for everybody eventually. Um, so anyway, I got, we were back from Vancouver and I had a message on my phone from my ex. And so what really got me in the rooms, so even, even that, not being able to get high or drunk, that didn't quite convince me I needed to quit. That convinced me that I needed to do something, but I wasn't sure what it was. I didn't think it had anything to do with the booze because that was my best friend. So right. I wasn't looking at my best friend at that time until I got back to Calgary and got a message from my on again, off again ex. Um, she was unbelievably beautiful, unbelievably um, everything that at that time in my life, I thought I wanted. Right. Yeah. Um, and yeah. So anyway, she, she invited me to a meeting um, and to have coffee with her. And back then coffee meant sex. So yeah. I agreed to go to the meeting just so I could have the coffee afterwards. <laughs> and, and little did I know though, Hey, like it was an AA meeting. I'd never been to one for myself. Yeah. Interestingly enough, I had taken clients before, yeah. um, but I had never been there for myself. And it's funny. I didn't hear the same things um, for myself as I did for my clients. Right. Yeah. Cause when I took clients to those meetings, all I heard was you guys should do this. Yeah. Isn't that <laughs> right? wild? Oh, it's so wild because then the first, uh, I came in, it was just one, one visit and I was done. Like I came into the meeting, um, chasing her very beautiful body and all the other beautiful parts to her, um, yeah. chasing her in the door. Um, I got, I sat down and when they asked me to share, um, I, I couldn't even get the words out of my mouth. I yeah. was an alcoholic before I started balling. Right? Yes. Um, and so I was done. I haven't had a drink since. Um, because the truth, and I hear it all the time, like, oh, you have to have a sufficient bottom, blah, blah, blah. Mm. And I'm like, yeah, or you just have to have the right person going in, right? Who might take you through the doors and then you're in. Yeah. And, and so to answer your question about the bottom, there's no such thing as a guaranteed bottom, nope. right? Except for death, but then you're not going anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. right? That is the absolute bottom for sure. Um, of which we cannot return as of today. I mean, there might be a time where we can come back from the dead. I don't know, but um, maybe we'll all be like Lazarus and that other fella and be able to get up. But there's no set bottom. That's the idea. Because honestly, all of the not being able to get drunk and all that frustration, if it wasn't for that very beautiful woman, which if you're a believer, you could say, well, mind you, it depends on what kind of believer you are as to whether you would say this, but if you're a believer, you could believe that God absolutely put that beautiful woman knowing that that was the only way I was going to walk in that room, right? right? At that time in my life, that's exactly what I needed because nothing else had my attention 
like women. Well, that's um, what you were right. open to at the time. So that's what yeah. worked, right? That's right. Yeah. And that's that coupled with the fact that I couldn't get drunk. In my mind, I would never get drunk again after yeah. that night. I just thought this is going to be too painful yeah. and expensive. So yeah. it, I mean, it all made sense and I just didn't have to go back. Um, really, yeah. unfortunately, 30 days into my sobriety, then the woman who brought me in, she left and never really came back. Oh, that's um, and I don't know what she's up to now. I hope she's okay, but um, the truth is she was a good enough reason for me to go in the room. Yeah. And when I got in the room, my mind was open enough by the pain, mm -hmm. I think, and the beating I'd been taking um, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually, just from drinking so much and, mm -hmm. and drugging so much, that it really did create a big hole in my soul, right? Mm -hmm. And when I sat in that, that fellowship for the first time, and I got to tell people, like, I understand that people think it's a religious program, but the only reason I could stay was because I did not get that impression. Mm. I got the impression this was a program that you got to do at your own pace. Mm -hmm. And that you, as long as I didn't pick up a drink, because this is the only thing I remember from that first meeting, mm. was a couple old timers saying, just don't pick up between meetings and go to a meeting every day. And I was like, oh, light bulb came on for me. Mm. Right? Like, oh, I only have to do it for today. I don't have to do it tomorrow, right? Because when tomorrow comes, it'll be today. And yeah. so I got lucky with that understanding. And yeah. I believe it had to do with lots of my teaching up until that point, whether it was the army where you have to be really careful that you stay in the moment. Um, but I wasn't in there long enough maybe for that to, <laughs> to kind of seal the deal. Yeah. But it did make sense to me. You know, yeah. I got really fortunate with that. Yeah. Um, because I sat there and I thought God hated me. Right. Yeah. When I came in, I was pretty sure that this God idea was just a bad one. Uh, so, but I sat because I knew I could, didn't have to drink. Mm -hmm. Right. And if I didn't drink long enough, I might be able to figure out some other stuff. And that's what happened. Right. Yeah. I just kept not drinking um, until things started to evolve in a different way. Mm. Yeah. I love that it. bottom. It's, it's it. tricky. Yeah. It is. And I, and, and so one of my kids is, uh, I think three years sober now. Okay. Right on. Yeah. And when I ask Fantastic. him, thanks, thanks. And mm -hmm. uh, not that I have you know, no, but for him, that's for saying awesome. that on his behalf. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I, um, I, I've asked him, so what finally did it, you know, cause multiple suicide attempts and friends dying and, mm -hmm. you know, can't go to school anymore and lost, you know, just on and on what finally did it. And he's like, I don't know. Like I was just sitting in my room one day by myself and I was having a drink and I thought, I'm really sick of this. Mm -hmm. After right. all, you know, and as, and as, and as, <laughs> <laughs> as his mom and as an Al-Anon, I'm like mm -hmm. trying to find the magic thing, uh, which, you know, it's, it's, it's not, it's not mine to find, you know, it's, it's his. And, yeah. and so it's uh, always eye opening for me to hear. So what, you know, what, and, and I'm intrigued with anything. What took you down this path? What took you down that mm -hmm. path? What, you know, what about that intrigued you? Why'd you go in yeah. that direction? So you know, and someone like yourself, I think we could talk for weeks probably about that mm -hmm. because you, it sounds like you've got a million. I've tried. Of a million things that you've pulled, pulled in, which yeah. all resonate um, mm -hmm. for someone. Definitely. So, yeah, I hope so. Because they do for me, right? Those things, as, yeah. I, as I picked them up, they were definitely um, things that stuck to my ribs, I guess. Like, yeah. Kind of stuck to my consciousness. But that's very important to me. 
you yeah. know, like that one day at a time concept. Um, that's, that was probably the easiest concept for me to grab yeah. was one day at a time. Cause I'm like, Oh my God, I'm already like, I don't like planning ahead. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I hate thinking about the past. So when someone said, you got to figure out a way how to stay in today, I was, I, I'm game. I'm in. I could do that. Yeah. Right? I can yeah. do right but, now. Yeah. I can do right now. Even if right now is miserable, right? Because right now will change, you know, um, right now will become tomorrow's right now, yeah. you know, and I'll, chances are I'll feel completely different, you yeah. know, and that is a total different mentality yeah. from before thinking that this pain's necessary, whatever it is, but it'll also pass. Yeah. You know? And then maybe I'll have a deeper understanding of how beautiful things are. I mean, yeah, that's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. And I think those are pretty good words for anybody uh, at this particular time, alcoholic or not, mm-hmm. um, you know, yeah, this too will pass and things are strange, but we can get through it and everything, everything, everything changes. Right. Yeah. And it's important yeah, to remember I, when things are too, this too shall pass. Mm-hmm. Right. So enjoy it mm-hmm. right now. Um, of course. So, yeah. So I'd like to have, uh, I'll have certainly some links for people, ways mm-hmm. to find you in the show yeah. notes. Is there anything though that you would like to promote anything that you're up to, uh, that mm-hmm. you'd like people to know about? Well, there, there are, there are a couple of things in the works. And the only reason I, I hesitate to say anything is because they haven't, the one hasn't been confirmed. Okay. Um, it looks like we're going to be having a uh, live feed concert um october 24th okay and it's going to go from i believe it's going to be 6 p.m to 8 p.m uh and it's going to be a live feed podcast music presentation oh okay that's kind of cool yeah and they'll and you'll be able to find it on the freedoms path recovery society facebook page that's where the stream will come from okay perfect and that's and that's mountain standard time you're talking about yes ma'am you bet and so I'll put a link to the Facebook page in the show notes and I'll put a link to your Thank website you. in the show notes. You Thank also you. have a podcast. Would you like to promote that? Oh, sure. Yeah. You know what? I, I, yeah. We were talking about that before we started recording, but uh, yeah. Um, Voices in recovery is the name of the podcast. Mm-hmm. It's available on Spotify, iTunes, Google, basically all the stuff people have. I mean, uh, if there's something else that's more popular, it might be there. Uh, yeah. I don't know what they would be called. I, I don't know what TikTok is, Phil, so I'm still catching up <laughs> I don't on some stuff. Yeah. Um, but our podcast, yeah, we're in the third year uh, of it. And we, we've just gradually started to get into some areas of um, uh, stuff that just blows me away. Like mm-hmm. with, uh, over the last few months with the lockdown, with um, Black Lives Matter, um, getting amped up again, right? Because we, we have lots of injustice. Yeah. There's all kinds of stuff going on in Canada in terms of missing and murdered Indigenous women mm-hmm. and girls, um, and of course, Indigenous rights in general uh, across Canada. Uh, there, we, we've had some guests on that have really, well, I don't know if other people will have their eyes open, but I know I did, um, yeah. talking to them um, in, in terms of uh, Black Lives Matter advocates, uh, police officers, uh, policing in a time of uncertainty. We've had some episodes with with a few members yeah, and it, it has just been, um, it's been incredible. Uh, I, I think that when you're, you're talking earlier about everybody has a podcast and, and it's like, yeah, it's true. And it's good. It's because great. You know, right. Like we can, I can, I can find somebody to listen to reg- whatever subject, right. Whatever subject. And I don't, I think that's awesome. Like yeah. I just love it. 
Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah, I'm a big TV fan too. Always, I know, I know, and I'm always listening to yeah. something, right? I always got something in my yeah. ears when I'm walking or yeah. gardening or whatever. Mm -hmm. So, voices in recovery. You bet. And yeah. that's and they can find and that link is also on your website as well. That'll take yes, you to it, it. Like it'll take you to a YouTube channel, yeah. etc. Okay, so so directly. Oh yeah, and we have a YouTube channel which okay. has a bunch of um, well, it has steps one through twelve. Mm -hmm. Okay, and we did this. We presented the steps in a manner that allows for a person who doesn't have a belief in any sort of God deity, yeah. um, or uh, yeah, whatever. If you don't have a belief, it's okay because we, we actually paid attention to that while we were doing the videos okay. um, and tried to deliver alternative alternatives to having to figure out some sort of God thing. If it's not for you, you don't have to worry about it. There's other ways to stay sober. Um, I know people who are sober and wonderful humans and they're atheists. Um, I know people who don't have any identification whatsoever and they're wonderful humans too. Yeah. Um, we, we all can do good things for each other. Um, so yeah, there's those videos. We have our, our last musical presentation video is on YouTube if anyone's okay. interested. Okay. Um, and that's a local Calgary. We use, we try to get local Calgarians to come on yeah. um, because I just like promoting our friends and our fellows and yeah, yeah. it's been pretty cool. Cool. Fantastic. I'm going to, I'm definitely yeah. going to check out your YouTube channel because sure. I, I haven't been there yet. So, well, Mr. Lurie, I can't thank you enough for uh, your time today. Oh. This has been awesome. It's my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me on. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And I'll, I'll send you an email with some potential dates for you to come on Voices in Recovery if you're willing. Oh, for sure. That'd be fun. That'd be fun. Cool. For sure. Okay. I love it. Okay. Thanks. Well, have a great thank day. You, and thank you so much. You too. Bye. You're welcome. Thanks. Friends, thanks for listening. And if you liked this episode, please be sure to click on the thumbs up below for YouTube and comment. What did you like most? And what do you want to hear more of? I'd love to hear from you. And in case you missed it, the website is maureentowns.com. Bye.